Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 77. L. Bachman stops by the show and talks about working on your craft. If you want to become a good writer, a good storyteller, got to put in the work, people. But before we do, let's get to some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, 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 Prolific Writer Nation. It's your host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad that you are here, however you are hearing me through your ear canals, on the train, on the plane, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, mowing the lawn. So glad that you're here. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well, helping motivated writers get unstuck, and all kinds of cool stuff. So really glad that you are back for episode number 77, and I am privileged to have today L. Bachman, and you'll hear L's story in just a moment, and a really inspiring story of how she kind of gave up writing for a while and how her husband kind of helped her get back into the game. And she shares a lot of helpful tips and ideas and inspiration about process and craft and, and just doing the work, getting better at, at the, at the craft, just like a good craftsman, you're, you know, you're making bread, you're building a building, you're learning how to play the piano, you're whatever you're building, whatever you're making is we got to put in our you know, what is it? Your 10,000 hours. You got to, got to keep working at it. You got to keep practicing in every story, every book, uh, every article is an opportunity to practice. And so we talk about that honing our craft. And so before we get to the interview, just a couple quick and uh, little announcements, little housekeeping ideas, little housekeeping details. Uh, I have uh, written a couple middle grade books. I'd like to tell you about, uh, if you have kids ages eight to 12 or seven to 13 or even adults, uh, wrote a couple middle grade novels. Uh, this is my first foray into middle grade, a couple action adventure stories and excited about how they came out. And, uh, we got two books in the series, uh, secrets of the ambassadors and the mysterious 
Pirates of the Pacific. And uh, so if you have kids or grandkids and uh, are interested in action adventure books, uh, really wrote the books for maybe what we call a reluctant reader, maybe someone who doesn't like to read, but want to get them into reading. So they're fast paced, they're exciting, uh, they're funny. And uh, I think you'll, you'll really like them. I'm really excited. I, I got an opportunity. I'm going to be doing a, a book signing here in Kansas City in, in a few months at a local half price books. And, uh, and so if you're in the Kansas City area, come on out and we'll, I'll get the dates on that. That'll be coming later, but uh, excited about that just to, to get these books out in the world. And, uh, it's kind of a cool story. My, my kids and I kind of wrote them together. My, my sons gave me a lot of great ideas and we kind of, uh, shared notes back and forth and, and they kind of help, help the books become even better, uh, uh, with their great ideas because they're kids and that's the audience. And so that was a lot of fun. So go check those out ryanjpelton.com or Amazon. You'll, you'll find them. I'll put them in the show notes. And also if you would like to support not only this show, but also a family of podcasts on the project entertainment network is we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash project entertainment network. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes and, uh, you can support, uh, this family of podcasts and help us get more podcasts out into the world. And by supporting uh, these artists and these podcast makers and writers, most of them are writers. Um, we also will give you a lot of cool stuff. So some short stories and some other cool swag stuff and signed copies of stuff. And so go check that out. Patreon.com. <clears throat> I think the, the minimum, uh, donation is a, is a buck. So, uh, go support some of your, your favorite, uh, shows. And there's a lot of great shows. I think we have about 25 or so on the network. And so, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Would love your support. So thank you everyone for your kind comments and emails. Uh, every week is such a blessing. Thank you for your reviews and ratings on iTunes and other places. And, uh, so thank you for listening in and bef- without further ado, I'd like to get to the interview with L Bachman. Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I'm so privileged today to have L. Bachman on the show, and I just want to welcome L. Bachman to the show. L, why don't you say hello to the audience and tell tell us a couple things about yourself? Uh, hello, hello, hello. Uh, I've never been on here before, so I'm super, super excited. So thank you for having me. Uh, I am known for writing horror and dark fantasy. Um, I'm also well known as a graphic artist. Um, I've done a lot of book covers, a lot of promotional materials, including video trailers and uh, teasers and all sorts of stuff. I've done. I've worked with God, uh, so many people. Uh, T.J. Weeks. I've worked with um, Michael Schultz. Just tons of people. I'm also. I've also worked for, and I still currently do work for Burning Willow Press, um, the publishing house. And I tend to ramble. <laughs> well, That's all right. I'd rather I always say I like ramblers than people that don't talk. So good to have yeah. you on the show, um, Al Bachman. And we're so... Um, so excited to have you on. I, I know, and I, I want to make sure I get this right, because if I, if I don't, that's okay. But um, I think you just had a book come out uh, in early September. Is that correct? Yes. Um, my book, Harvest, it's part of a series called the Blasphemer series. It got republished. Um, my series, I originally indie published it, um, and I was working towards getting those books out. And I was looking for a publishing company, and being at Burning Willow Press, I don't get any favoritism as staff. And I asked if I could submit, and they were like, yeah, and if you do good, you know, we'll pick it up. If not, apparently they liked what I wrote, because they had only seen me really as a graphic artist. I've never submitted um, 
anything full length like that. Like I've been in their anthologies and things like that, but that's a short story. These are full novellas and novels that they were going to see of my work. And um, Ed Souter really liked it. So they picked up my series and then they were interested as well as my best-selling uh, short story, Human Ouija, which is a horror short story. And they signed it, and then they challenged me because Ed and Kendra love challenging me because apparently I rise to it. Um, to also add some short stories with Human Ouija, that's not out, but Harvest is, and so is Maxwell, which are book one and two of the series. Well, great. So uh – uh so thanks for uh, for sharing that. It sounds like um, you so you work with um, a publishing company, and mm-hmm. it sounds like you have you have some graphic design skill as well as well as writing. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk a little about that. So how did you kind of get into you know graphic design and and marketing and writing and what what's kind of your influences kind of growing up? Okay, well, writing and art came to me in into my life when I was young. Um, I had a very rough childhood, and I. You know, as a kid, you feel like you're just stuck. You can't change what's around you because, you know, you're going to go on where your parents are moving or whatever. Like in my case, we would move quite a bit. I was never really – I never felt like I was in control of my situation. I was always the new kid, struggled making friends, and I started reading Anne Rice, really loved the way she wrote. I've learned more about her, and I was like, this lady, you know – is my muse. I love this lady. There's something about her I've always liked. I still to this day will probably, I will probably never get over it. Um, and I was reading Interview with a Vampire once, and I'm like, I bet I could do this. Not to her level, but I wanted to at least try. And But I didn't know what to write, and then I started thinking about how, as a kid, I really was not in control of my situation um, because of my parents and siblings and things like that so I started writing little stories about well if this celebrity liked me then you know those kids that made fun of me they would like me and it it was therapeutic I didn't know at the time that it would do that I was like 10 11 12 when I started um eventually I got into art um and I started in paint trusty old paint just doodling and then eventually I graduated to actual Photoshop, Paint Shop Pro, things like that. Um, and I started creating art. And those kind of went hand in hand. And over time, you know, life happened and I kind of lost an interest in them things. Those things, sorry, I'm a writer and I don't speak like I am. <laughs> uh, I need a full time editor to sit next to me and be like, can't say that, that ain't right, double negatives. Um, but, and then as I got older, you know, my husband made a comment to me that stuck really with me that he had lost his wife. And I asked him what he had meant, and he said that I used to write. I really wrote a lot when I, me and him met. He and I, that's, oh God, editors. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a kid. I got married, started working as an adult, and, you know, all that got really put on the back burner. And he was missing that. I brought a light to him and didn't even know it. And when life took it, took my focus away from my creative art, he he saw that I was unhappy. I was stressed out. You know, I didn't have an outlet anymore. And over time, I found out about the indie world. And I'm like, well, I don't really have anything really written. And I would write and then not write. And I did have a story 
and I didn't know where to put it, and I did start looking into publishing houses, and this is where it kind of gets funny. Burning Willow Press was one of the first publishing houses I found, and I was blown away, and I'm like, I'm not good enough. You know, as writers, we always go, uh, I don't know, we're our worst critics. We're always going to be in our way if we don't figure out how to push past it. And instead of submitting, I just kind of did it on my own the best that I could because I didn't know anybody at the time, didn't know an editor. And the story to me was not the first step into the world I really, really wanted. So I removed it and focused on art. And I started creating covers. And it led me to meeting an author named Lindy Spencer, who has, who is a friend of mine. I talk to her, you know, not so much now, but every now and then we'll talk. And she was one of the authors in the anthology I'd done my first book cover for. And I started talking to her about how I used to write all the time. And she really inspired me to get to writing again. And I had all these ideas, but I couldn't get them out. Um, some say writer's block. Even I've said it was a writer's block, but I actually know what it is now. Um, that was stopping me. Um, when you try and force creativity, it, it just doesn't work. Um, but because of her, I got back into writing. I got more of a network. I knew what to do. Um, so that's where Maxwell came. The uh, Maxwell Demon, the first book in the series that is gotten republished and is coming out with BWP, um, was that came out. And then I did another story, and it just started getting the flow. I started getting my network. And within a year or just over a year, I started working for BWP because Kendra saw my art and asked me to do a cover for her. And she did uh, – She, I did it, and she liked it so much that it was like no time later I started working for them. They hired me into the graphics department, and I've, I'm still working for them. Well, that's great. All these I, years later, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's such a cool story. So you, what you share – I mean I, I feel like I hear your story all the time and a lot of people we interview, uh, you know – young age, start writing, start creating. And then, you know, obviously go through middle school, high school, adult stuff, and you kind of put it on the back burner, but you realize, you know, right. that's kind of who I am and what I want to do. And right. I, I think it's so cool that your husband saw that in you too, to say like, there's something missing here. You know, why aren't you creating like you were? Um, yeah. and the gift, you know, is just the indie world is like people can, you know, some people don't even care about getting published or don't care about making a nickel. They just want to create. Yeah. And now they have a, you know, a built in platform to say, Hey, I can share my art. Uh, right. and even if it's for 10 people, yeah. um, so that's really cool. So, um, so talk a little bit about, um, I, I've been, I was looking forward to interviewing him because you, you do so many things, you know, obviously creatively and covers and marketing and writing and things. Um, you know, obviously you've, you've designed a lot of covers and things, uh, just real quick. I mean, this is kind of off the cuff, but you know, as far as like cover design goes, I mean, what, what are you thinking about when you sit down, you know, let's say your publishing house says, Hey, we're looking for a cover for this book. You know, what's kind of the first steps when you think about how do I match kind of the story with the cover? Cause I think a lot of people listening, especially indie writers, covers are such a challenge to really get that nailed down. Yeah. Right. So talk a little about that. Well, before I started working for BWP, I did have my own clients. Um, I work under Bachman Designs. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what to really do to kind of get that organized and contain it. But I did I did, and still do have my own clients. I made sure that when I signed with BWP that I would not be exclusive working for them. I could do my own clients on the outside that may still want to work for – I may want to work for and they vice versa. Um 
So when I go into it, I'm really well known for horror and sci-fi type of covers. Um, I don't know why. I just do them really well. Not saying that I would never try anything else. I have. That's part of what BWP has had me do. They challenge me to do better, to do covers that I may not have ever done before, things like that. And when I get approached, whether it's work related with BWP or for a client, I ask them very simple questions. What is your story about? Because nine times out of ten, I've never read the story. So that does add a hurdle in it. But there's reasons why I don't do that. And it's, one, I don't have time flat out. Also, two, a lot of the time, the stories aren't even done when people are looking for covers. Um, So they can't really give it to me. And plus, I kind of don't want them because I've got so much going on. And an author can tell me very quickly, it's horror-based, it's or it's scary, or you know, it's set in outer space. So that alone give or has already given me this idea. Okay, it's either going to be really dark, or it's going to be like outer spacey fantasy sort of thing, um, or if whatever I've created because I work really closely with the authors. I don't know about other people that are artists doing this because uh, I don't really talk to other artists that much about what they do when it comes to them dealing with a client Um, but for me I ask about the story if they want a character feature meaning that they would have a character on the cover or not Uh, sometimes people like to get very poetic and artistic with their what they want for a cover so it's not giving too much of the story away whereas that may be one client. The next client may want to have so much detail that when somebody sees it, it's an exact scene from inside the story. So it, it can vary and it can be difficult in that way. But that's why I ask some of the questions I ask. I also will ask, you know, the character feature, what's the genre? Um, is there any, even down to specific colors? The ones that I struggle with the most are the ones, um, and it's just me. I'm sure the, whomever else is like, oh, that's the easiest thing to do. The ones I struggle with are the ones that the, it's based in the same place, same characters. You don't really see much of a change because then I'm like, well, what should I do? They like this one. They don't like that one. Um, it's just it really falls down to communication with the author. That's why I like to work with the author. I don't need the novel to hold the conversation as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that totally makes sense. So, so tell us a little bit. Uh, you, you know, obviously you've written in horror and dark fantasy, and that seems to be kind of your your sweet spot where you like to to live and and play. And uh, so, t- tell us a little bit more. You talked about Anne Rice. You know what? As you've been kind of writing, what have been some other like influences? You know, growing up as far as you know horror fantasy. What what are some other writers, movies, things that that kind of you know force your hand if you will to make you write into this uh, genre well see it's really really interesting because when I write I don't think I'm right like I don't feel like I'm writing horror or I don't go I'm gonna write a horror story today when I started publishing it wasn't until I asked another author what genre I was in before I even knew that I was writing horror because to me I'm not writing something that scares me so I'm like well it's not scary I never would think early on what I'm writing is going to scare the next person or that it would fit in that. So I had to get help from Samantha LaFantasy 
or fin- I'm always messing her name up. I'm sorry if you hear this. Um, I've I've known her for a few years online, and I've always screwed her name up. There's just a few names I've always messed up, and hers is one of them. Um, but it, it's it's horror and the way you write, even dark fantasy and other genres. It's how you write the story and some of the content of the story. Because I can take a paragraph. And write it in such a way that it comes off horror, and I can take the same thing and write it in such a way that it's not scary. So it's all in how you write it and what you have inside of it that makes it what it is. And I think I'm not even answering your question. I'm sorry. No, no, I, th- I think you're. I mean, you are. I think. It, you, I mean, because you're, um, you're talking about how you know. You, I, th- I think you're talking about what writers talk about a lot is. That, most don't sit down and go, I'm going to write a horror story. I'm going to write right. a dark fantasy. It's kind of as the story goes and as it evolves, it becomes, right. oh, this fits more here or this fits yeah. more there. I've, um, I've never even been a fan of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I realized after I realized that I was writing in horror, I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense that I would watch these types of things or read these types of things more often. Um, and then when I, I actually did this whole thing, and it probably sounds stupid, but – I had to face fears. Um, and one of the things that I was scared of all throughout my life until I faced it was the movie The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. It scared the crap out of me as a kid. Rightfully so. It's well done. <laughs> and But now being an adult, I'm like, well, I'm going to see what it's like compared to the book. Because we all know that movies don't always do, do the book justice. And then there's the whole debate. Like Queen of the Dam and Anne Rice's move version, totally, totally different. I don't want to cause a fight. I'm not going to go into it, but completely different. So I started with that, facing my fear, and then it led to other movies. I've always liked vampires. I blame Anne Rice, but in a grateful way um, because of Interview with a Vampire. Um, I've, I ended up liking – I got into Bram Stoker after seeing that movie that came out with Gary Ullman. There's just something elegant about that movie as well as with what Anne Rice did that attracts me to it. Um, Mary Shelley's work, um, Edgar Allan Poe, of course. I liked what I heard about Lovecraft, but it wasn't until recent years I even read his work. And I completely fell in love with the man and his work. And then I read more about him, and I think it was so sad that you know, during his life he never even knew – how good he was um but i don't know why i'm attracted to these things they they're just what's more appealing to me sorry no, hair I think, face i think, I think it's great <laughs> i i think you, you know it's funny that i think all the horror writers i've you know interviewed and dark fantasy and you know I lo- i've always loved stephen king and and you know most of them are some of the most well-adjusted people in the world and it's it's funny i mean i've, I've listened to Anne rice too in interviews and um i think for a lot of it it's, you're describing what what what's attractive to horror sometimes it is it's it's about writing about what you're scared you know the most yeah. and getting that out and, and it can be you know i've had jay thorne on here and he talks about you know horror was always a, a way to heal and a way to right. kind of deal with your own demons and you know he went through very something like similar maybe like you growing up, you know, moving around a lot and just never feeling like you fit in. And, yeah. and so stories can be such a powerful way to kind of deal. with. I think this turned into a therapy. Session. Yeah, it is. We're doing therapy now. Okay. Um, okay. So. Uh, but I mean, even with what you were just saying, Lovecraft wrote 
in uh, I have it in my husband's been borrowing my books because he ran out of Stephen King books and he's got my Lovecraft book otherwise I'd like totally goes to the part in it that I'm about to mention to quote it but I don't have it in front of me so I'm going to be wrong he mentioned how horror um, uh, the reason why he wrote horror and it's because fear is such a primal emotion nope. and the more I thought about it and the more I was realizing because I write a lot of stuff about demons and I do write some other stuff vampires ghosts stuff like that but in the Blasphemer series it it talks about heaven and hell and where our soul goes and are we redeemable the whole series is like that you know is it good is it bad um, the, the battle between good versus evil and it talks about demons and I thought how funny that is I'm confronting my fears it's like I'm facing my demons Oh, that's good. And, and I think it's relatable because, I, I mean, all of us face fear. And, mm. you know, I mean, most people, whatever you believe about God or religion or whatever, I mean, we, we do think, well, there's, you know, most people say, well, there's, there's some kind of spiritual world or there's something out mm-hmm. there. Or, you know, I mean, we, we experience things. We go through hard things. I mean, we're, we're trying to make sense of the world. You yeah. know, and, and I think, with you know, with King, I mean, we could talk all day about King, but, you know, he's so relatable because you know, it's the everyday person. It's the, it's kids. It's right. you know, his characters are so relatable yet. He puts them in these really scary, terrifying situations, which we've all been in. And you know, see, face, see if you want to talk all day about him, we can't talk about his books because I've actually never read one of his oh, books. Well, Hey, that's, that's on you. I left it all to uh, my husband who is a massive fan. Yeah. You want to talk movies. Okay. You got me there, but yeah. don't ask me to quote yeah. from books because yeah. I may have 30 plus copies in the house, but I've never once read any of his work. <laughs> But, you know, and I, and I think that's well, – I would also say about King, which is probably connects to you too, is, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't understand. You were talking earlier about the horror genre in general, and you didn't realize you were even writing horror, is that when people read horror, like, I don't think – I think people think automatically, like, slasher, you know, yeah. you know, blood and gore, that's all it is. But really, horror stories aren't that. I mean, they, you could call them suspense. You could call them – Thrillers. You know, thrillers, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's – I've read just enough. Like, I don't like slasher-type stuff, but, I mean yeah. – you know, the, well, if the, you do it right, if you run across the right book that does have something like that in it, I think you'd like it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, got it's all on how it's done. Yeah, yeah. Because it's still about character. It's still about you know caring about what they're doing and. and Which is that. funny because when I told you I did my homework, that's one of the things I wrote down: those uh-huh. believable characters. Oh, good. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so uh, so tell us a little bit about so uh, got books coming out, stories coming out. You're making covers. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things you mentioned, and I, I've read in your bio, and you mentioned even earlier, you know, you love to help writers. And uh, yes, one, of the, one of the questions that I, I think comes up is, I mean, we've talked a little bit about covers, you know, what to think about when you think about covers. But mm-hmm. you know, what are some things you see when when someone maybe comes to you? I call them like rookie mistakes or just newbie mistakes or ah, green. Maybe, yeah, maybe not seeing certain things. But when people come to you, and I'll just leave it open ended. I mean, it could be on anything. It could be craft. It could be marketing. It could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see that that's that's something our aspiring writers or newbie writers listening would 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 gain some? You know, don't do this. You know, this is think uh, about think about this. <laughs> Okay, let me think for a second. What I do when I call someone new or new writer, it's usually referring to someone new in the indie industry. Um, I call them green. Uh, it's just an easy way to identify them. Uh, not so much as a new writer because most of us coming in are just uh, discovering indie for the first time, and they may have been writing for 20 years. Uh, it's more of a they're green in that they don't know the business um and it is a business 
every book need that you publish out needs to be looked at it as a business. I've come across people that get into it because they think it's going to make them instantly famous and rich, and that's almost a laughable joke. It you don't get famous and rich instantly. If you're doing it to try and pay your bills, it's going to be a while. Um, uh, the biggest advice I can give is you'll hear it from a lot of people that have been doing it a while like me and so on it's a marathon not a sprint uh, every book if you're truly indie and you're doing it all by yourself there's a lot of work because um, I was indie for a while before BWP picked me up and with part of what I worked out with Ed and Kendra is I still get to do all the work on it um, the only thing I refuse to do is edit my own work and that's professionally edit before it's polished I mean, we all as writers, we need to do our drafts and our manuscripts and, you know, self-edit. That I don't have a problem with. It's the professional level because I am no professional level editor. Um, so, you know, when you come into it, make sure that you find the best people in your network that can help you if you cannot do your own cover or your formatting, which is actually quite easy, the formatting, the interior work. Uh I came into it not knowing, you know, that stuff, and I taught myself. So there is ways to learn it for yourself to save yourself money because not all of us have a rich husband or a rich wife or come from money. We, we're on budgets. We have groceries and things like that, you know. Um, so you have to go, okay, is it worth me spending $1,000 or more to get this one book out or should I just learn how to do it? and do it the way I know I'm going to like it and save myself the money. Um, there's also a lot of mistakes. And one of the ones that I made when I first came in with that story that I unpublished that I mentioned, uh, I made the worst mistake. And that was another reason why I wanted it unpublished because I did not want that to be the first step that I made into the industry. And I was able to catch it early on, but I've owned up to it since. Um, Going against your natural flow, um, and what I mean by that is your voice. If you go, okay, this book is in a genre that I would never write in. Say, say you're, I'll use me as an example. I write horror and fantasy, dark fantasy. I know that now. I'm not always going to do that, but now that's what I'm in. I tried to write in contemporary romance. Fine genre, you know, more power to those that can do it all the time. Uh, but I only picked it because I thought that that's what will sell. So if you try to go against your voice and write in the way that another writer may write, you're going to catch it in your own writing when you're proofreading. You're going to see the difference in your natural voice coming through and leaking through, and then you'll have to go back, and it's just a lot of effort to fight yourself because you're always going to have a natural voice and a natural flow when you write. You'll use certain words. You'll say certain sentences in certain ways. If you're in third person as a narrator type of situation, if you're in first person, you'll catch yourself, well, this person's supposed to be cocky, and you'll say their stuff in that affects, and then this person's supposed to be a certain way, and you'll see if you're trying to copy someone else's way of writing that you're going to struggle. So that the best way is to embrace your natural voice. You know, um, understanding your audience is another good one that I don't think a lot of people realize. I always say, you know, write what you 
love to write and you will find a readership, but you also can't isolate your readership once you find them by doing, okay, I'm not going to word this right, so I may not say it. Um, I'm not going to say this right. I can't find the words. So, <laughs> okay. no, I think I, I'll try to, I'm not going to try to speak for you, but I think what you're, what I hear you saying is, you know, yeah, write what you love. Like hey, if you love horror or thrillers or, you know, kids books, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then once you kind of find your voice, I mean, I think you have to kind of figure out, you know, what kind of horror do I write or what kind of, you know, um, you know, you're going to find your own audience. Cause everybody's, I don't yes. think people realize like horror's not just general, like, Oh, horror, it's all the same. It's like, no, there's, there's so many different writers and different kind of horror and different kind of right. dark, dark fantasy and things like that. Um, no, I think that's really good. I, I think people don't realize that is, you know, there really is no new stories under the sun. It's just what makes them unique is your voice and your right. way of telling the story and, and your unique right. worldview and your unique angle. And I think that's where, you know, like you're saying a lot of green writers, I think that's a good way to say it because people been writing a long time but yeah you know, get into indie publishing and they don't realize like or there's it's a, way different yeah it's, or, or they real or they think oh there's just so many authors and just too many books there's you know what am i going to do and it's like well the reality is yeah there are there's millions of books but your book is not their book and your voice is right. not their voice and your you, take on the story yeah, may be different exactly the only thing that ever makes me really really pissy is when i see a movie come out or like a series on like Netflix that come out. I'm like, damn it, that's a really good idea. Why didn't I write that? <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh, I had an idea like that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I should have got it out sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like people like, oh, hey, I thought of Facebook. That was my idea. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So. Oh, uh, Twilight. It's such a good idea. You know. Yeah. No, that's really Glitter good. I, I, I think your your number one uh, just advice for when, you know when I think about rookie mistakes is just think long game, long term marathon not sprint because I, I very very much so because i think you know i was just interviewing someone the other day and you know they're saying how you know they've been doing this a long time indie publishing a long time and they've had some success but they've seen so many people drop off and oh, I yeah think, and i think part of that is because you know they had the big hit and then it, they didn't have the hit and then they just kind of said forget this and they're out um and i think those that are gonna you know stick in think long term keep you know writing good stories writing good yeah. books like they're gonna be around and and i think that's you're gonna find your audience and you're going to find a, a group of right. people that love all your stuff. And I mean, I've seen people fall off too. They thought yeah. it was going to be quick and easy. Yeah. Oh, I can write yeah. sort of, or, Oh, that's not harp, which is just a joke. Yeah. Yeah. The people that think that this stuff is easy, get in it and then tell me it's still easy yeah. when you're in, in it. Cause it is not, um, yeah. writing is okay. Okay. You can write, everybody got a pen. You can get a pencil, whatever piece of paper, scribble something down. Doing it professionally is a whole nother game, and being in the indie industry is a whole nother thing on itself. Because I, I mean, I know people that were in uh, indie that got professionally um, with the top five, like Penguin, so on and so forth. And then I've, I know people that went from top five, and they were like, we didn't have enough control, so now they're going to indie. So I've seen them jumping. So I, from talking with who I know, know the differences. And I have to say, people that are in my situation that are hybrid are the ha some of the happier ones that I I met because they can go, okay, I'm going to submit to this publishing company. I could submit to this one, but this one I think I'm going to put out on my own. And and you know they still have the control. Not that you fully lose control, but 
there's contracts, there's a whole bunch of legal stuff that gets involved when you start working with companies um, and publishing houses and things like that, that if you're just doing it yourself for yourself like what I do, it's not a problem. I know what I like. I can go into it, do it the way I want to, you know, hire the, the editor, get my timeline of when they're going to get done, so on and so forth, later it is, so on and so forth. Whereas with a publishing company, there's a big process. It's a similar process, but you're more of waiting on other people unless you get with what I have with BWP, which I was very, very lucky, and it's very rare to get that they grant you permission to do all the work except for what you can't do for yourself. Okay. That's good. No, I, I, I think it's exciting. I mean, there's so, there's so many options these days, and, and I think what you're hitting at too is there's you know you still have to do the work. I mean, the marketing. The, I mean, everyone thinks oh, big five, they just market it for you. It's like yeah, no, only if you're Stephen King and have millions of dollars behind you. Even um, then, yeah, no, no, yeah. Oh, that, that's a, actually I think a myth in the field is, oh, I'm gonna make it big. I'm gonna get with a big publishing company, and then I don't have to do anything, and that's yeah. not true. No. You get you have to pay for your plane tickets. You have to you know, no. you have to have an agent to help you get booked in places, you know, the bigger names like Anne Rice and Stephen King. I don't know because I'm not them, but I would think it's similar where they have to kind of do do the work still too. It's not like you can just put it out in the world and then it's going to bring back a ton of money for you. There's a lot of work involved. That's good. All right. So um, I know I asked you ahead of time. Uh, Mm -hmm. I always love to ask the craft questions, process, marketing questions. Um, And so let's kind of walk through a little bit uh, give us some some craft advice, uh, kind of from your perspective. What's been helpful for you, and kind of what you do, and things like that. Okay, now I I, I have helped many many people. I, even before I was in the indie field, I had friends that liked to write, and I would give them advice. Uh, so I've been in the advice game for probably too damn long. Um, sorry if I'm not supposed to cuss. It slipped. Sorry, mom. If my mom hears this, that's not new. I've apologized to them before. Uh, before my dad passed, I would apologize to him because I knew he was going to listen. Um, so sorry. Um, uh, advice that I have besides, you know, the marathon one, which is t- so such a classic one. It's so true. It hurts. Um, always. Okay. I had to make a list. I wanted to do my homework for you. No, you so I came prepared. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. The top of my page says advice for writers from one. <laughs> okay, my f- number one advice is just because you're writing doesn't mean you give up on your on working on your craft. The more you work on it, the better you're going to get. There's no way that you're not going to get better. If that means just practicing over and over again, reading in the genre that you're writing, going back to school can help as well. I mean – don't ever give up on your craft because your readers are going to see it. What else you got? Okay. Number two. <laughs> you are going to be able to connect with your reader better if you make things more emotional, emotional and relatable that way. Also, do not forget the, your senses, like you're seeing, you're feeling, you're hearing, you're tasting, you're touching, all of that. I think I covered touch twice. Sorry. <laughs> That's good. Always have those in there because if you can connect by having a character, say say the situation is the character is going to be really sad, it's a, a very common emotion. We all get sad. 
So your reader is going to be able to connect that way. They've been sad at some point in their life, in their journey, whatever it is. They've been sad, so if a character gets sad, they're going to relate to that. If you can describe, say, the way the pizza tasted or whatever, don't go into such detail it becomes boring. Like, you don't need seven paragraphs on the way the pepperoni looked or something. Uh, just, you know, just glance over how did it feel was the room hot was it cold did it send a chill up your spine uh i'm sorry that's like way horror um but eh, no, that's what i do it's what know, i do you know I love, uh, I love that tip because uh i think a lot of writers especially new ones they they only do one of you know the or they just describe the character so it's like oh they're tall oh they have you know red hair or whatever but they don't get into those other senses like you're saying yeah. you know how, how i mean even i sometimes yeah. will forget you know some of yeah. my own advice but i do try to correct it no, that's good that is why there's this glorious thing called beta readers um and like what you were just saying about characters and and the way they look remember nobody's perfect if you try and write a character that's got no flaws, they're absolutely perfect, they're tall, dark, and handsome, ain't got nothing wrong with them, yeah. that is going to become boring so fast, yeah. it's not even funny. And boring <laughs> is bad. They're not relatable. Like you yeah. said, they're just yeah. – it's awful. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Like even – okay, do a robot that's perfect, okay, fine. But they're going to be having more to them. Yeah. You know, uh, if they do, they become self-aware, stuff like that. You have to ask yourself questions. It's something I do is ask myself questions so that I could then answer it with my writing. Like, well, why would that character be mad at that character? And then that goes into a deeper character development. Did they have a history? Were they together? Like, the whole thing. Um, you do not want to bore your readers um, because boring equals bad. It's bad for business. It... It, it gets books closed. I've I've stopped reading stuff because it just got too much. It got really boring, um, and characters are boring. So it's and and once you get to that point where you're ruining your business because stuff has gotten boring, nobody's gonna buy your books. They're gonna be like, well, I'm not gonna waste two ninety nine, three bucks, whatever, on this ebook or this paperback. It's a waste of my money. I don't like their writing. That's good. Not to say like everybody's gonna like everybody. Yeah. But if you're producing quality work, a reader's going to keep coming back. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and I think, you know, one thing to add to that is, uh, you know, if, if your book feels boring or beta readers are saying it's boring, uh, is ramp up the conflict. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, what's why we read. It's like if, if nothing's happening and it's just people just wandering around, just talking, it's boring. But you got to you even little conflict helps kind of ramp that up like, oh, that's interesting because because life is conflict, right? I mean, it could be little right. things. It could be like, oh, they spilled the coffee. Oh, they, but it's like, they're not getting what they want. You're like, you don't want your characters to get what they want till the very end. So exactly. Uh, like if they spill the cup of coffee, yeah. did it drip off the table and burn them? Mm-hmm. When it did, did they get up and accidentally hit somebody? Cause they were screaming in pain. Like right. you can go more, you can take something so simple yeah. and push it, which is really something interesting. Like I never realized when I was helping my son that my actual job would help me help him because he you know in school my son's he's in fifth grade he's learning about writing and they're getting into this and i'm like add detail Mm -hmm. add to it why did the character do that Mm -hmm. why does he have the scar like go into it tell the story um you can do flashbacks go back that's something i do quite often in in my blasphemer series is i could do flashbacks Mm -hmm. to 
you know, to a certain scene in that person's history so that you can see why they don't like that person or why they feel heartbroken when they're around. Um, I've been dubbed as a very emotional styled writer because of the way I write. Now that's not for everybody. Please don't try and copy me. It's going to be very difficult. Like I said, it goes back to going against your voice. I never meant to do it this way. It just comes out that way. That's good. All right. What else you got? Okay. Okay. I covered that one. I covered that one. I covered that one. Believable characters. Okay. It's okay not to write. And I know that sounds really odd, but if you're, but I'm, I, okay. I am speaking from experience with this one. Like how I had mentioned how my husband said, you're not writing. Uh, you're not like the wife. I'm the woman I married. You're not my wife, my wife. Okay. If you're trying, and I even did a blog post about being creative on demand and it sounds odd, but if you're trying to force a story or you are trying to repeatedly do something in the creative field, whether it's dancing, because I actually read the article and I mentioned it in my blog post. Um, it was about dancing and things like that. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like writing. Um, when you're forcing something, it's not going to come out right. You're going to struggle. You're going to get stagnant and you're going to stop. And that's where creative writer's block begins. Um, and it's bad. It's a bad, bad, dark hole. Uh, and it's hard to get out of once you're there. Um, uh, the, even though I don't read Stephen King, I do keep up with some of his stuff. He said, and I may, this may be a misquote because uh, it's the internet and Abraham Lincoln has to even told us in a picture once the internet was rad. So, um, <laughs> uh, so it may be a, a misquote, but he said, write while you still want to write and then stop. Because if you keep writing until you don't want to write anymore, you're not going to want to pick up back where you stopped. So write and quit while you still want to because then you'll be eager to get back to it. So it's okay not to write. Don't burn yourself out. Uh, just make sure that you get back to it. Don't give up on your work. And I'm and I 100% readers can feel it. They can sense it when they read. It's in the way you're writing. Your voice will change if you don't want to. It will become drab. I know. I've read my own stuff, and it sucks when I'm forcing it. No, and there, you know, that's just like a, I think a human thing, you know, there's a vo kind of a creative void of no return where you're, oh, just, you're just tired. You're, you're not into it. You, you've kind of tapped out and it's like, if you just keep pushing, you're just, you know, I mean, you see that in my work, like, you know, you work during the day and you do these things. There comes a point where like, I'm not getting anything out of it. It's just it's right. like me banging my head against the wall. So yeah, I love that. You know, just well, take, I mean, take a break. The, the blog post that I did, um, came from writer's block but it also came because i was creatively breaking down uh because of the graphic work i do i've been doing it so often so long i got to where it became so difficult for me to do that it was like really just trying to inch through it and it's not like i don't love doing the work it's just i'm burnt out you, i mean it happens often like i don't know how some of these writers are kicking out so many books I'm like, they're freaking machines. I swear to God, under the flesh and the hair, they are machines. <laughs> yep. And I know Ed's going to listen to this, so I know Ed being uh, who he is, he's part machine. Mm -hmm. But with that blog post I did, I, I talk about creatively breaking down and how it was for me. Because it is something that we all may not realize is going on, but there's actually a thing for it. Like, it, you're breaking down. Yep. 
because you're forcing it and then you get burnt out and then your family will see it and so on and that's part of why with this this year that's coming up of 2019 i have stepped back from the graphic department for at burning willow press because i'm i need to focus on my writing i was doing so much art that i wasn't writing anymore because the creativity was just coming out of me to the point i couldn't i got where i I just can't work on my own stuff. And the whole thing was to be writing in the field. And I do, I love art and I love writing, but I was glad that Ed and Kendra at BWP understood what I was saying, even though I may ramble and not realize what I'm saying. So sorry. Um, But they understood what I was talking about and they were nice enough to go, yeah, you can go ahead and, you know, take a year sabbatical, take a time off, step down, whatever you need to do, do it because we don't want you to be like this and go where you can't be creative at all. So they they've been really really good to me and I've been very very lucky. Love that. All right, you got more? Uh, okay, I think we covered the five that I wrote, but I'm sure I have more somewhere. Uh, I mean, the advice to the green, uh, those coming in that are green, you know preserve your voice watch your editors because you know every editor is going to have suggestions but if they're going in and rewriting your work to where it's not even your voice you better get you better handle that because there is some i don't know i've not had to deal with editors like that i've been lucky but i know they're out there where they'll completely change your work into something that it wasn't to begin with and i'm not saying oh they changed the apostrophe to a period or something like that no there's there are you know the industry has a lot of dark and bad and trolly stuff out there so you got to be careful but if you get a manuscript back and it has got nothing compared to what you sent be very careful also be very aware of what you say social media wise because you may piss off somebody that could have been a potential sale uh you need there's certain topics we just shouldn't talk about because it causes conflict conflict is good for stories not for life that's good i like that well, uh, L. Bachman, it's been a, a privilege. And uh, before we go, I want to make sure that you get a chance to just tell us. I know you had a book that just came out. Um, where can people find your work? And uh, yeah, any other uh, projects coming out in, a, in the near future? All right. I am all over the place. Not only did a Harvest drop on the 4th of September, which I think it actually dropped early. So thank you, Ed, because uh, uh, I was able to get my part done. And then he was able to do his part, him and Kendra. Uh, of uploading and doing all of that but on halloween the southern fried autopsies which is an anthology to raise awareness and money for feed america is coming out um i got with bwp and wanted to uh put a shine a light on southern writers in the horror genre uh and dark poetry um and this is going to raise money to feed america feeding america where and they what they basically do is they put money into buying food or taking food donations to food banks and food pantries so that people that are in need can get food and you know things that they might need which you know is super super important um and then on december 1st if i remember right i'm pretty sure it's december 1st sorry ed if i forget this wrong um it uh crossroads in the dark four is coming out and i'm in that as well um and it's raising awareness for suicide prevention and suicide awareness um every crossroads in the dark um 
anthology that BWP puts out is to raise money for charity. All the staff involved donate their time. So, you know, I'm not getting paid for my part, so on and so forth. And I actually did get to do this cover. Uh, I hadn't done them before previously. It was uh, Lorraine Von Tonder. I'm totally going to slaughter her name, so I'm sorry, Lorraine, because she is another name I screw up. Um, So I was really, really glad I got to do this cover. Um, People can find me at my website, lbachman.com, author lbachman on Twitter, writer bachman on Facebook, and I think it's author lbachman on Instagram. Yeah, those are a lot of great, great things. Those are great causes too. Um, yes, thank you. Well, hey, thank you so much. Uh, go get L. Bachman's books. That's a command. And uh, thank you for uh, your writerly advice. It's going to help a lot of writers. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and all the helpful advice. And uh, yeah, hope to talk to you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation l bachman dropping some serious writerly truth bombs uh thank you l for coming on the show go check out her books i'll put all of her information in the show notes and i know she just had a book come out in early september depending on when you're hearing this and i love for you to go check out her work and i just appreciate her kindness and her willingness to help authors wherever they are on the journey And she has such a unique perspective, I think, being in the publishing world and being a graphic designer as well and book covers and and all of that and just having a lot of experiences that I think are really helpful. And and one of the things I I think I love about the indie community and the writing community is that they're they're very generous for the most part is that you know if if you're out there and you're you're thinking about writing and you're thinking about publishing or don't know where to start or just have questions uh people like l bachman and others they're they're so willing to give their time uh to just point you in the right direction and it's really the reason we started this podcast is to to serve you and help you because i know when i started uh many years ago that it, it was just difficult i didn't know where to go who to talk to you know i didn't know if i trusted them and um but I realized how how often the indie community is just willing to get, to go out of their way to help. And so we're help, here to help you too. So if you have any questions about writing or publishing, please shoot me an email, Ryan at the prolific net. love to point you in any directions. Go check out the other podcasts, um, the website, there's tons of resources on there. Just trying to help and serve you any way that we can. Uh, so thank you, L Bachman for all your insights, all your wisdom and coming on the show. So before we, we leave, I just want to ask uh, a, a favor, uh, just a quick favor. I, I mentioned you can support uh, us on the Patreon, patreon.com, the whole entertainment network, Project Entertainment Network, host the podcast. I'll put that in the show notes. And then if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes, that really helps us get the show out in the world. Uh, so if you enjoyed the show and, or want to share it with other people, please please leave a rating or review. That's just a, a great way to, to get more ears uh, on the show. And, uh, and then also subscribe to the podcast. So if you listen, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, subscribe and make sure that you get every episode every week. And that's just a great way to keep up to speed. We just have so many great, uh, interviews lined up coming next week's going to blow your mind as always. And, uh, look forward to just being able to serve you wherever you are on your writing journey. And before I leave, I just have one thing to say is go get more words on the page. No, seriously, go get more words on the page. You're, you're still listening to my voice. It's time. L. Bachman told you, you need to work on your craft. And if you, if you don't get words on the page, you're, you're not working on your craft. You're just sitting around binging Netflix. Okay, just turn off Netflix. Just put put the remote. Just hit the button. Put it, put it down. Okay, just turn off Facebook. Okay, I know it's exciting. I know the cat videos are exciting and what Larry from high school is doing. But just... 
turn it off, turn off Twitter. Just it's a it's a dumpster fire anyway. It's it's not worth your time. Just okay, just go. L. Bachman told you just go. I told you to go. I'll talk to you real real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us. How others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 